Hello, and welcome to the Producer Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Versman, and with me today is Hannah Bartlett. I first met Hannah a number of years ago at the Motion University Onset Experience, where she was one of the instructors. Today, she continues to work with Motion University, as well as being the creative producer at Bartlett Idea Co. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thanks for having me on, Micah. Great to, great to connect this way. So everybody gets tired of answering this question, but you kind of <laughs> have to when it's a film podcast. So how did you first get started making film? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Honestly, probably the same way that a lot of other people have is just starting out with doing backyard films with my siblings and with friends. I got my first like digital camera when I was 16 and just loved being able to create photos, which then turned into doing video. Um, and some friends and I actually took two and a half years to create a feature film. And um, it was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And definitely not something I would ever want to publish. But we <laughs> learned a lot through the process. And from there um, is kind of when... I started getting more into like, oh, I really enjoy doing this. You know, I want to keep doing this at the time just as a hobby. But I did start getting more into doing like a short documentary and then doing some short client work and that type of thing. And that's around the time in 2014 when Andrew and I, along with my mom, started Motion University. And that's really what got us going into like, oh, wow, okay, we love doing this. Um, It's a great community to work with. We learned a lot. And that got me really started more into doing the the promotional filmmaking. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that full time since 2016. Cool. Now getting started, obviously at first, nobody really knows what they want to pursue. But was the producer realm what you kind of very early on wanted to pursue? Or did that come about later? I would say the first thing that attracted me to film was probably more the camera side of things. Okay. Like when we did the backyard stuff, like just the the fun stuff with friends or whatever, I was always the one behind the camera um, and like usually editing as well. So that's kind of interesting to me because I feel like I, ha- I use both the right and left side of my brain, you know, have a little bit of the creative in there, but also some of that, you know, organizational and stuff too. So I think what first got me into it was really more the the camera and the editing and, and that type of thing. As I got working more um, with Andrew and like um, started going into it more thinking of it as like a career and doing it more full time with Andrew, he his strong point is really creative. Like he's like full right brain visionary. Like he's great at that. And I'm a firstborn. I tend to think more black and white. So I naturally started kind of going towards more like the organizational the budget, the communication, that type of thing, especially in working with Andrew, because we were just a really good team in that way. So I feel like those those strengths of mine and the interest in that kind of slowly developed as we got going more into doing filmmaking full time. So I'm curious, because that Bartlett Idea Co., you're called the creative producer, and I've never heard that term used before. So at least... With Bartlett Idea Co., what does creative producer mean? 
Yeah. So to give a little context, my husband, Andrew, and I own Bartlett Idea Company. And for us two, we're both like the only full-time employees. We hire other people in per project based on the needs of the project. But we're the full-time full-time folks at Bartlett Idea Company. And so I think part of the reason was just because the two of us, uh, being small business owners working together so closely on this, we both do have a lot of input on different parts of different projects. So you know, there's times when I'll have some creative input, but at the same time, I also do a lot of the editing. So I'm like the lead editor for the company, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not just doing numbers and, and organizational stuff, but also having input and working on like the editing side or, um, you know, if Andrew's, he directs basically all of our projects, but I'll often give input or thoughts, critique on the creative side of stuff too. So I think really with that title, I'm not sure if there's like an official definition to it, but for us, just kind of sharing that, like, I am the producer, but also, you know, we own the company together and really work together on all aspects of the different projects. Neat. So what is it about a project that gets you excited? Right. Wow. It's a great question. I would say one thing that I love about film and producing is just that every project is so different. I love that. You know, it's never like the same thing or even if you have a repeat client or, you know, you're working with the same people again, it's still every time is different. You're doing a different um, project with a different storyline and all of that. So I love that every project is different. Also for me personally, I really love interacting with people. I love people, I love communication, I'm an extrovert. I love being on set. There's just that vibe of being on set Mm -hmm. when it's not crazy stressful. Every set is stressful, but there have been some sets where it's got (laughs) pretty crazy stressful. And then, you know, at that point you're just like trying to get things done. But overall, like I just love being on set. I love being in charge of a team, you know, kind of like just leading that team into making the project. And I love organizing things. Another fun little details I do love, like looking up Airbnbs and organizing travel details or, you know, whatever it happens to be for that project. Like that's really fun for me. I love researching and looking things up and and kind of putting it all together, organizing it to be just a cohesive thing. Cool. How do you balance work life and family life since Obviously for you and Andrew, it can be very easy to not keep it separate or maybe get so busy with a project that you're not able to devote time to it. So how do you find that balance? Right. That's, it's tough. It's really tough to find the balance. I think especially, um, well, no matter what stage of life you're at, but especially if you're married or have kids or whatever, we don't have kids yet, but I do feel like one day when we do have a family, like I'll probably be working less, right? Like ultimately from a big picture perspective, God and my family are the most important to me. So if work needs to take a backseat on that, then, then it will, you know, I'll do that less. But right now I feel like in the season of life for Andrew and I, like I'm learning so much about this, just the balance. It's really an everyday thing. And one of the things that I've, had to work on doing and I'm still don't totally have this down um but really is almost you have to produce your life as well in a sense (laughs) of like thinking ahead right and for Andrew and I I'm kind of producer of our our life not just the work right it's like okay let's think ahead what where's our budget at like do we need to uh, go visit family or take a vacation or do stuff like that 
And I think something important with that is to be intentional because especially being a small business owner and working in film in general, um, life is just crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's it can be just full of work, work, work. And it's never really going to slow down, you know, as much as you kind of think, oh, someday, you know, we'll have all of our processes down. It'll be all organized and, you know, it'll slow down. I mean, I think the film world in general is just crazy busy and that can be a really good thing. But learning how to balance that, I think you have to really think ahead. Okay, we're going to take a vacation in the spring. You're thinking about the fall, right? And Mm -hmm. how you can manage your time that far ahead. Because once you're in the thick of it and you have client deadlines and you have things going on, you can't change the contract. You can't change those deadline dates, but you can be thinking ahead three, four or five months down the road and, you know, maybe setting aside that time if if possible for a family vacation or, or things like that. And also taking it a day at a time, because sometimes even if you have a deadline coming up, you need to be no tonight you know, we're going to go on a date or we're going to have my family over or um, some church friends or whatever it happens to be. Sometimes you just have to force yourself to take a break and be okay with that, you Mm -hmm. know, because there's always going to be that to-do list sitting there. Yes. And I feel like a couple other things that honestly, just in in the past couple of months here that God's been showing me is that you can come to the Lord with, with that balance and with those maybe stressors or whatever happens to be. Um, but just taking it a day at a time, giving it to God and remembering what's most important. I also was just listening to a really interesting uh, talk online about stress and how stress, you need to view it as something positive instead of something negative. And I had never thought of it that way before. To me, stress was always like, oh no, like I'm stressed. Oh dear. Like I need to, you know, I never get a balance with the family life or whatever, but instead thinking of stress as like God created our bodies to deal with stress. And it can be, if you think of it positively, um, you're going to be more confident. You're actually going to be less stressed and you're going to be, I think, able to manage that family balance a little better when you're able to, to think of stress in a more positive way of this stress is helping me. It's helping me be more bold or it's helping me my body prepare for, you know, the 10 days of shooting we have ahead or whatever it happens to be, right? So that's been something that I've been wanting to work on is just viewing it differently, kind of having more of that eternal perspective and bring it to the Lord, but then also getting enough sleep and eating healthy. That's something I'm kind of passionate about because Andrew and I have both really struggled with that. Like, how do we get enough sleep when we have these deadlines? And, you know, there's a, there's a shoot coming up and and I'm producing and the permits aren't, aren't coming back and people aren't responding and, you know, these stressful situations. But really getting that sleep and, and eating right can help you be better in both areas, both in work, having a more clear mind to communicate with your crew and to deal with those situations that come up. But also in your family life to not be so exhausted that you can't have that family and work balance. That's good. And it's it's cool to hear... The perspective of a married couple but without kids. So I thought maybe we jump into kind of the pre-production aspect. So when Andrew first comes with you to you with the creative concept for the project, how do you go about breaking that down from figuring out number of shoot days and all the different stuff that you need to know to put together a budget? 
Right. No, that's that's really good. So I feel like I'm going to back up just a little bit to give context to our process. Okay. So for us, being, again, small business owners, and Andrew and I are the, the, the full-time employees. So we're the ones getting the clients. We're the ones doing the creative and a lot of the pre-production. And then we bring in crew based on, like, per project. So to start out, we both attend a discovery meeting with the client to talk about a lot of things. And so that's kind of where my role starts, you know, is we're, we're talking in the discovery meeting. What are they thinking for the project? What are their goals? Who's their audience? What are the dates that might work for them? You know, a lot of those mm-hmm. details, um, both on the creative and on like the producing side. So after the discovery meeting and we get a contract signed and all that worked through, I'll often start right away by like working on dates and interviewees, you know, starting communication with the client to see who they would like to be interviewed and that type of thing. It really is a project by project basis, but that typically is how I start. Um, Sometimes I'll start out right away with contacting crew that we think we're pretty sure we're going to want to have on the project to make sure that their dates are available. But really, before I can do too much, it's really important to me that Andrew has been able to do his creative. I really need him as the director to tell me what he wants. So usually after the discovery meeting, we get all those notes all that info from the client, then he's able to go and do the creative, right? So Mm -hmm. typically what he does, since we do work in promotional um, filmmaking with clients, is he'll have a couple of different layouts. So he'll have one is what you would hear, right? So like what the interviewees would be saying. You know, he wants the flow for them to start out with maybe introducing themselves or talking about what the problem is and then going into the solution or you know, whatever it happens to be, he'll kind of lay out the flow for what you'll be hearing. And then he'll have another graph that he'll usually make laying out the visual. So as they're saying, talking about their hometown, he wants to see a drone shot of the city at sunset or whatever. So once he's able to like lay all of that, what you, what you'll hear, what you'll see, all of his like creative direction out, then at that point is when I'm able to actually really dive into the details. Um, And usually, you know, working with clients, like in the contract and everything, of course, we'll have the budget and everything laid out. So a lot of time that is going to determine what we're able to do as far as crew or locations or travel or whatever um, it happens to be there. So I'll be kind of working on the budget throughout this process and discussing it with Andrew as well. But from there, I'll often go into working more on the interviewees. You know, we had one project where the client really wanted to see and hear the creative before choosing who they wanted us to interview because they wanted to know they had, it was a very big company. And so they had a lot of people to choose from. So they wanted to know who's going to be the best fit for this, right? So in that case like that, you know, we're not even starting on interviewees until he's done that creative. I'll also be working kind of simultaneously on on the interviewees, on the locations, on if we need any actors, or a lot of times it's not actually like uh, career actors that we're like bringing Mm -hmm. in. It's just, you know, people that the client knows that work for the company that are going to be demonstrating different things or doing different things in, in the shots. And then often because we are a small creative agency, I'm often ADing a project as well. So I'll usually like be working on scheduling and like figuring out the amount of days and how that's all going to fit and what's going to happen in each of those days. Um, either myself or there's been, you know, a couple of projects where I've been able to work with like 
a second AD or uh, even a first. There was one project we did where I was just producing and, you know, he was first ADing. So in that case, I'll still work closely with them just because I'm usually the one communicating with the client. Yeah. So I'll take the info from the client, work with the with the first AD or if I'm ADing it. Uh, figuring out the scheduling. So a lot of that's happening simultaneously as there's emails flying back and forth, you know, figuring out which locations are going to work out and all of that. And of course the budget, I'll have a very general budget all laid out like ahead of time. And then as I work on more and more details, you know, I'll be able to figure out, for example, locations, right? I'll often put some in the budget for locations at the beginning, but sometimes when you're working with the client, you don't have to pay for a location because you're using their factory or their location or whatever it is. And so as I go on in the project and working through those details, I'm able to make adjustments to the budget and try to add in as much detailed budgeting as I can. You know, even if it's like gas or or um, lodging or whatever, trying to figuring figuring that out as detailed as I can ahead of time so that there's not as many surprises. There's always surprises mm-hmm. on a film set. But um, minimizing that as much as possible, I do try to do ahead of time. And then one other thing, too, is that a lot of times, especially if it's a really big project, I mean, we in our creative agency, we've done everything from just Andrew and I being on a project, a small local two-person thing, to a much larger project where it's like nine days of just shooting, not even including, you know, prep days and uh, days off and all that with a with a crew of like 11 people total, including us. So there's a lot of range in there, but for some of the bigger projects, um, like what I did for that one larger one that we did uh, earlier this year was use whiteboards. So I'll, you know, really kind of map out like, okay, how many days do we have and how many locations do we have and how are we going to rearrange this? Because you can easily on a whiteboard, you know, just erase something and write it in another box or whatever if you need to. And kind of, it can help your your thought process as you're kind of uh, figuring out all those details. So whiteboards is something that I'll use on occasion for the bigger projects. And then also for any size project, I use Google Drive. Um, that's a big part of my process is just the whole system, you know, whether it be spreadsheets, Google Docs, or even just... Um, you know, uploading photos to Google Drive and like organizing them, you know, pictures of the interviewees or of the location so that our DP can see it. You know, um, I just love using that system for organization. And like I said, any size project, I found it to be super helpful. So that's a little bit about my process. I feel like it's a little different just being it's a small creative agency and Andrew and I do work so closely together on that. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I was going to ask if you're like Andrew and a whiteboard person or if you have a different <laughs> style of uh, mapping out your process for a project. Right. Yeah, and I do think it depends on which one, like how the size of the project, you know, if it's bigger using the whiteboard. If not, not probably as much as him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yep, got to love the whiteboards. So you mentioned a little bit working to find interviewees. Do you do most of the work in picking out which employees you're going to interview or do you leave that more to the client to decide? Yeah, so I feel like it depends on the project, but a process that we found that works really well for us is to have the client give us multiple options um, because the client may know of an interviewee that is a great employee, they're, they're great at what they do, but uh, they may not be 
as good of a communicator in front of a camera, right? Or whatever. So I think it's, we found that it's helpful to have them maybe give us their top, you know, five to eight people. And then I'll usually end up doing, um, I'll communicate with each of those people and do a pre-interview phone call just to Mm -hmm. kind of get to know them, get to know their story, um, you know, how they came to work there, what they're passionate about. And just just get to know them and kind of figure out, okay, who's going to be the best fit for this story and for um, this film that we're creating? So often it'll be like that. Sometimes there's only going to be two or three good options for an interviewee. And so in that case, we'll just go with whoever the client chooses and, you know, kind of make that work. I'll still usually do that pre-interview phone call Mm -hmm. just so that going into the project, um, we know what types of questions we want to ask, you know, what their background is, what their story is. And then often on set, you know, I'll be the one doing the actual interview. Okay. So... I will be the one communicating via email, via phone ahead of time. And then once we're there, you know, Andrew's usually very busy on the creative end. He's working with either just himself or with if he's brought other crew on um, to set up the lighting and, and prep all of that side of things. And so I try to make the interviewee feel comfortable, you know, just introducing myself and start asking them questions like, oh, where do you live? Tell me about your family, you know, just trying to really make them feel comfortable and having a conversation before the real interview so that Andrew can then focus more on on his the side of things for that. Nice. Working with clients, obviously, the budget process is a little different. So you found that there are either certain benefits or certain challenges that come with doing dealing with a client project? Right, yeah. Um, I would say one of the first things that comes to mind is the fact that you're not working with actors typically on like more of a client project. You do have people that are potentially acting as far as, you know, you're you're catching them doing what they do in the job. Or sometimes we'll have footage of a family, right? Like maybe they're riding their bike in the park together or different things like that. So they are in front of the camera and doing that type of thing. But um, again, they're working with the client on that. You're not necessarily bringing in actors and and stuff like that so i think that is potentially a benefit to it is you don't have to have quite as much for like travel costs or or costs that go with just having the actors often on a client project you would have less crew and again this is depending on the size of the project and the needs of the project but there's a lot of client work that you can do with just two to three crew or whatever so you're not um, often for us, at least we're just doing, Andrew's just doing like the interview sound, right? He doesn't have a sound guy that's necessarily hired just for the project to come do that. Um, so I think there, that's another budget difference is just crew. Um, I think also on the client stuff, you'll often be a little bit more run and gun and you're using what the client has available. So you're not, spending quite as much on maybe like the locations or the wardrobe stuff like that again it depends like some a lot of client stuff does have narrative aspects to it you know and we've done client stuff where we're building sets or you know working to to go try to find um wardrobe or props or different things for the project cool so what is your process like figuring out what crew you're going to need for a project. Because like you said, it's not 
like a feature film where you know you have to have all these roles to do the project. It can vary. Yeah, no, that's really true. I think if I was to say it in one word, it would be budget. So, I mean, isn't that every producer's answer to everything, though, <laughs> is budget? Pretty much. Yeah, basically. But I think especially for us when deciding crew, we'll have those discussions up front with the client. What's their budget? You know, what are we looking at working with? And then I'll go break it down and figure out what I think we could have for crew. But usually a huge determining factor for us is Andrew and I collaborating on that and who he needs for the project, especially since the majority of our projects are probably going to be between two to five people working on the project. It's really important that Andrew's able to have creatively as a director who he needs on that project. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge factor in determining how many crew members, what types of crew we're going to be getting for that project. Um, so yeah, generally we'll, we'll talk about that. I'll hear what he has to say. I'll discover creatively like who he needs and then I'll tell him maybe what I think. And then typically, like I mentioned earlier, I will AD and produce. So there's not always somebody, um, specifically on my team for the project, but, um, the bigger the project gets, the more Andrew and I are pushing to make sure that I do have somebody else on my team. Okay. Um, whether it be even just a, a PA, so I'm not the one having to always run with snacks and drinks, or me just producing and having somebody else uh, first AD on that project. So um, the bigger the project, like I said, the more we're going to push to make sure that I have somebody helping out on that on my team. Um, but typically, we'll look at the budget and Andrew will decide if he's going to DP it or if he's going to, you know, camera op and do all that work. Um, if he needs a gaffer, or maybe he just needs a grip or maybe he needs somebody on art, you know, um, because each project is so different. But budget is probably the biggest determining factor for us. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I feel like as much as people don't want to admit it, even for a lot of narrative projects, that's the big determining factor. It really is. I think every project we do you know, Andrew's always wishing we had more. Oh man, I wish we could hire, you know, these three more people on this project or, or buy these props or do this thing. And, um, quick, interesting fact that I, that I heard from another producer on that, that was really helpful for Andrew and I was to look at the budget as a creative tool. So often it's easy for me and Andrew, for him to be pushing for the creative and like, we have to make a great story for the client and we have to get this type of camera and rent this type of gear. And I'm just like, no, we can't do that. We don't have the budget. You know, we don't have the time or we don't have the resources. And instead of me just saying like, well, no, no, no. How can I use that budget as a creative tool for, for Andrew, right? Mm -hmm. Like saying, oh, cool. You know, if you want to rent that type of camera, that'd be great. We're just going to have to shoot for two days instead of five. So kind of giving options and working with him and having a more positive response and not just thinking of the budget as black and white, but more as like that creative tool. Like how can we use the budget to tell the story? Right. Yeah. No, that it's hard. I've, I was working on a budgeting a project this past week and it's like, this is what I want to do. And trying to figure out what's the best way to to be able to do that and stay within a certain budget realm it's it's never easy it's never enough is it no 
<laughs> I, I think I feel like that's almost to some degree a challenge in this industry is like you can always have a bigger budget Hollywood's always pushing the envelope for bigger budget and everything yeah and so I think it's really important that no matter what size budget you have you learn how to work within that right mm-hmm. because it's been really interesting over the past couple of years as our company has grown our per project budget has grown, right? We've been able to work with more and more clients that have bigger and bigger budgets. And if you would have asked me like a year, year and a half ago, what would it be like working with a budget that's fill in the blank, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, right? I would have been like, whoa, like that would get us everything we could ever want, right? But it doesn't. Like it, you're always pushing that envelope, like you were saying, because as soon as you have that bigger budget, then you also have more crew and more flights and you know, you're maybe shooting in a different state or or whatever. So I think learning to use that budget wisely in the smaller projects is super helpful because it really doesn't change. Once the budget gets bigger, you still have to learn how to manage the project and work within that um, to the best of your ability. Yes. So I wanted to ask, because over the course of you and Andrew working at Bartlett Idea Co. You've done a lot of projects in a lot of different states. So how have you kind of seen the different states hand, look at film or handle film projects differently? And maybe what are some things people should keep in mind if they're working on a project that's shooting in a different state? Right. No, that's really good. I feel like, so Andrew and I live in the Midwest and up here, people generally speaking, you know, and we're, we're not in like Minneapolis or anything. It's more so like, you know, the smaller towns and stuff in our area. And people are generally really excited about a project you're doing. It's generally like, oh, sure, you can use our location. No big deal. You know, you maybe you'd, you'd have to, of course, be sure to get a, like a location release form and, and make sure you've checked your boxes there. But people are generally very excited in the Midwest to see you doing a project. They're glad to work with you. We've done projects in... A few other states as well, um, Indiana and New Mexico. But this last one that we did earlier this year in California was probably like the biggest uh, stretch for me personally. Because in California, especially like they have a very different view of film because people there are so used to it. They're so used to film crews and probably sadly, a lot of film crews who don't pick up after themselves or aren't doing things responsibly. So there's a lot of permits. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of very strict details. You have to know exactly the time and day you're shooting when and where. I'm used to in the Midwest, it being more like, oh, if it rains, we can just swap day two and three. No big deal. Like the client will be fine with that. But you can't just do that uh, in California. So something that I really learned on producing that project was... Just make sure that you are reaching out to other producers or other filmmakers and asking them questions ahead of time. So if you've never shot in that state, or maybe you've never shot with that number of crew or whatever it is that happens to be new to you, of really asking those questions ahead of time. Because I got some good advice from some different people um, telling me, like, make sure you get the permits way ahead of time, like two to three months ahead of time. Like you want to be on it because it can be very slow, it can be a process. And so hearing that advice ahead of time was really helpful. And I learned so much on that project, but I don't think I could have done it nearly as well without 
getting that advice from others who had done it before. So that's huge of just being willing to ask those questions about something that's new to you and giving yourself more time. On the project we did in California, we were shooting in early January. And so all the people that I was writing about permits and locations and some of the stuff that turned out to be very last minute, um, you know, I'm writing them over the holidays, like over Christmas and New Year's. And so I wish that we wouldn't have maybe planned the project quite so close to the holidays, or at least been able to give the, the creative side and then the producing side more time to get those done. So even if you think you have plenty of time to get something done, don't put it off. Make sure you're getting that done well in advance, even before the deadline, before you need to, because there's often problems that come up, especially in working in another state, you know, with those permits and locations and weather and any other aspect that you may not be used to where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah, cool. No, that's, yeah, I've, I've only produced stuff in the Midwest, so I, I definitely know what it's like, you know, you reach out to people and you're you're like, are, is there any paperwork that we need to fill out? And in the Midwest, sometimes they look at you like a deer in the headlights. Like, what are you even talking about? And they have to go ask three or four people to see if there's a form. That's really true. And I think, too, like something else that I would recommend if you are going to a state that's unfamiliar, especially, especially California, <laughs> but um, a bigger city or state, is ha making sure especially if it's a smaller project that you do have somebody on your team. Cause like for me, for that project, I had a first AD, which was amazing. I would literally would not have survived without him taking over that side of things. Mm -hmm. But I wish that I would have hired somebody to work with me on the producing side of things um, because it was so new and so overwhelming and there was so many details. So yeah, that's just something I guess that I would have done differently mm -hmm. is to make sure I had more people on my team to help spread the load with all the the new things that we were having to, to deal with and, and work on in the communication and the permits and all that. Do you think with doing, like, if you were to bring a person like that on, would it would you go for somebody you know or would you try to find somebody that actually, like, lives and works in that state? That is a really good question. For starters, let me add that usually on a client project, we will be working with a specific person from that company who will help us with a lot of the local stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they'll maybe help if we have a question about staying after hours or a key that's needed or finding a kid to come ride the bike for this scene or whatever. Like they'll help us communicate with those local people yeah. and with the local locations. So that is super helpful. We do do that on probably every project. We'll have somebody from the company that's, that's helping locally with that stuff. I would say I probably would hire somebody that I knew that I worked well with. That would probably be my first choice, but I would also, especially if I was doing something again that was in a state I had never worked in or whatever, I would consider hiring somebody I didn't know as long as I had a personal recommendation. Okay. I just know for, at least for me, once I get on set and I'm working with these people, I want to know that it's somebody I work well with mm -hmm. and that I can communicate well with. And so either having that personal recommendation, because that could help on, on budget too. You know, if it is somebody local, they not only know the area, but you're not having to... Um, spend some of the budget on flights and all of that. 
so there are some pluses to that. Um, but definitely, yeah, somebody that I either know or has been personally recommended is who I would go with. All right, cool. Yeah, no, that's, it's cool to hear your thoughts. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the producer podcast. Join us next time as we continue our discussion with Hannah about Bartlett Idea Co.'s work with different law enforcement agencies, as well as post-production. Until then, thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast. <laughs>